0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Next Level Podcast with Dr. Leslie. I am your host. I'm so excited to share with you all my own podcast has evolved already. And I'm thrilled because I'm able to bring forward topics that are really near and dear to my heart. Those specifically are mental health, mental illness, that is really all-encompassing. It's about manifestation. It's about our mindset. It's about the power of our mind being able to create what we want to in life and how mental illness can hold us back from reaching our human potential. And that's really what I'm here on this planet to do, is to help people not only at the individual level, but at the system, at the global level, to facilitate our human evolution in a very positive direction easily and effectively. Efficiently, effectively, um, as best we can. And really, from my own experiences and my own challenges, and seeing it in my family and my own children, how mental illness can be such a holdback in us being able to tap into and experience our highest potential as humans. I really want to address it. And we see that manifested in so many different ways in our society here today. Uh, There's so many other topics outside of just mental health that we'll be exploring as I continue to bring out new episodes and experts in the field of human evolution, everything from the discrepancies between men and women now as women are becoming more empowered, all the way to what's happening with our children post-pandemic in the age of social media and influencers basically raising our children. So So many amazing episodes and so much great information to come. It's really going to be a platform focused on exploring the problems so we can find solutions to help us get to where we need to be as a human race in a very positive, positive way. So stay tuned. This is going to get really good, guys. Without further ado, I have my first guest Who's going to be basically sharing with me about mental illness and how we can better tackle these problems? We're going to explore some of them first. We have George Carmona. He is the Komodo dragon. That is his new nickname. We've just
1: I, 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 <laughs> I coined him. Call me Kimono.
0: <laughs> kimono. kimono. Kimono.
1: Not even Komodo dragon. Kimono.
0: Oh, kimono. Like yeah, a
1: like a like a kimono.
0: Like an actual kimono. So not yes. a Komodo dragon, just a kimono.
1: I think that fits better.
0: He is very chill, and I think that mm-hmm. actually makes sense because he is a, I'm going to call you like a guru of, ooh, not just a guru, Oof. maybe the, like, mm, you're a whisperer of emotional disturbance.
1: Oh, I I like that. I like yeah. that guru would be putting me on a, on a pedestal in which yeah. not even a, a guru calls himself a guru.
0: That's true. You know? That's appointed. It's mm-hmm. appointed, but you are a whisperer of... Hmm, we're gonna, it'll come to me. But I like, okay. I feel like I need to like put my hands together and bow when I say kimono.
1: Come, Mr. Mr. Kimono. Mr. Kamono. Dragon. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. <laughs> Nailed it. We have. We have the name. Every that time I walk into the studio and name. see you, ah, uh, Mr. Komono.
1: Mr. Komono Ah, uh,
0: Mr. Komono Dragon.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, my yes. God.
0: Uh, and then I feel like we need to do like a chest bump after that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. We just go completely out of left field there. We just.
0: Yeah. From calm to chest just, bump. Yes. Boom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like
0: okay. It. Deal. It's done. You all heard it. That's what's going to be happening behind the scenes. Is that a
1: handshake just made without ever actually doing it? Like (laughs) now we're going to always do it.
0: We're always going to do it every single time. In fact, along this whole line of coming up with names, I've just been branded here mom in the studio because everyone is like 12 that works here. So apparently I'm mom. I literally was like, Yo, B, did you just call me mom?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you got to check out Dr. Leslie's Instagram because I'm sure I'm almost sure you're gonna post that. That's hilarious.
0: I just did a video. She she,
1: like was so happy to call you mom too. So like, I I mean, oh, it wasn't derogatory.
0: I thought it came out of a
1: place of love, just straight love. Yeah, because Vanessa, Vanessa, uh, the John's fiance who owns a studio, she's like Team Mom. We call her Team Mom. So. It's not it's it's like a guru. It's a very high appointed position. So
0: I need to be bowed to then also. Maybe maybe that's possibly (laughs) I'm kidding. All right. Well, so mom, Mr. Kimono Dragon and Austin, we still have to figure out what his name is. Anyways, we're digressing. Let's roll into the show as we're being silly and talking about mental illness. But this is what we need to do. We need to bring more joy and more laughter and more positivity into our lives despite these heavy conversations and the things Mm -hmm. that we deal with. Because really um, creating a beautiful future starts with having a good um, thought process. Without
1: a doubt, without a doubt. I think it all starts with the way that you you're inputting data these days. So I think I'll, we can start with what I used to see. Cause I was a high school teacher uh, who taught students with emotional disturbance. And I really got to see at the high school level, how much data was being inputted into our kids brains. And I would almost go as far to say that it's probably more now than ever. It's almost a data overload. Now, depending on what sticks or not is what you know determines your fate as far as are you using all those inputs through social media to your advantage or using them to a disadvantage because i think when you're a a kid and you're just trying to find what do i resonate with you can oftentimes go on a, a really misleading path um and you can't really find the, the good inputs that social media or life provides. Um, and you, you're just stuck in this pattern of, well, they're doing things this way because I'm seeing, it, uh, let's, for example, say uh, the luxurious lifestyle. Like um, your Instagram has to look a certain way these days in order for you to retain any merit. And if you, if you aren't posting with the fancy car or good looking women or you're on vacation somewhere then like you're not doing it the right way and a lot of these times like these kids will look at those things and that's just it could be the wrong input for that time you know kids need to uh, really start looking on social media for ways to digress their day and kind of process it because in order for you to live a positive life or not be bogged down by mental illness you need to be able to reflect on everything that's happened in a day and uh, social media doesn't allow that um and there's some people that focus on that and i'm sure we'll touch on them eventually there are a lot of like positive role models you being one of them that is trying to preach this message however there just seems to be like a, a huge discrepancy between the amount of people that are fraud types leading these students and kids into a bad direction um, compared to like us.
0: Right. That have a positive mission and want to make a positive influence. It is really difficult. I know with my own children, I've seen them struggle so much, particularly during the pandemic, particularly after too, we we're seeing this increasing pullback from family as their teachers as their role models much much sooner Mm -hmm. and it's being shifted to the people that they're seeing on social media and youtube oh my god these youtube YouTube influencers are just like Mm -hmm. there's a character i'm not even going to say the name because i don't want to promote it i'm just like you are not watching this guy like the crap that comes out of his mouth like a teenager shouldn't even be listening to this guy. So um, it's just, it's sad in the sense that all of the, just having access to social media is allowing children to be influenced by people that don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right, right. And it's actually affecting the way that they're connecting with their family. Like my my children have a lot of support systems and I have a counselor on board with them and I struggled so much with this, um, even regulating them, but they get all this stuff from their friends and whatever. Mm -hmm. As much as you try to regulate, the counselors and the teachers are seeing that children are pulling away from wanting to even connect like with family, like even though the pandemic, there was so much zoom and that sort of connection, they don't know what it means to foster meaningful, interpersonal relationships because it's so one-sided what they're getting. Their brains are getting so polluted with that.
1: And, and and like, I'm not going to act like we're not the main culprits too. And I'm not a parent myself, but I know how much I use social media now and I I do it for a living, right? I'm a social Mm -hmm. media manager for a lot of accounts at the studio. So I'm on 24 seven. And when it comes to social media, it's, it's, it's so quick, you know, you're checking every, you know, 10 minutes for 30, 45 seconds and you're swiping off, but then you don't realize how much those like 30 minute spans add up. And then especially when kids get home these days, all they want to do is disconnect, right? So, I think there is a good amount of time that a kid could spend on social media without it ruining the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. But I think what you see is a lot of families that are like, all right, well, if he's on his phone, I'm just going to be on my phone. And there's a time and place for that because it's important to be able to relate with your kids. Cause I feel a lot of Mm -hmm. parents, they may just not even be looking right. They may not take the initiative to see what is my kid actually watching. And, if you're not doing that, then you're for sure not connecting with your kid. Mm-hmm. And then if that's all they do, then like, what are you doing as a parent? You know, like yeah. there, there's like a a little bit of a disconnect that I saw a lot with my students, even if they were coming from single parent households, like where the mom's working a, a lot. You know, they they have to fall back and rely on the things that are easy to them, and social mm-hmm. media is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I, I want I wonder if you know if kids and parents are both able to use social media healthily, what does that look like? You know, like what is a structured night after school look like in order to, you know, achieve that balance? Like, have you found anything? Cause I, I wonder now and I ask these questions because I figure I'll be a father in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's good to, I don't know. Yeah. Pick, pick your brain especially.
0: Yeah. That's actually a great question. Um, I know back years ago when i was rearing my children in their many you know younger years they wanted they were suggesting researchers suggesting one hour of screen time maximum after the age of two right you don't want them to be starting any earlier and that that evolved and that changed well now that everything is changing over to the computers and the screens and all that t- screen time you know that evolved i the, the thing with research is that our brains are changing, our demands are changing, our societal expectations are changing, and so I don't really believe there is one solid answer. Mm-hmm. It really depends on what you're grooming your children to be.
1: Okay. So I like
0: I'm I'm very, even though I'm a scientist at heart, and I really like to have data, the thing with us is that we're in such an evolutionary shift. Like in medicine, 50% of what you know is basically obsolete in like 10, 15 years just because we're learning so much. Right, um, And that's why we need to have you know people like me who have doctors and nursing practice to read the literature, assimilate it, and put it to the bedside because it takes about 15 to 17 years for that to be translated. So what we're doing for research now might be obsolete in a couple of years, but we won't Correct. find out for another fifteen for sure. or twenty. So there might but it's be what, some you,
1: what you what you're tailoring it to what you are trying to cultivate and in cultivate, my yes. So word.
0: like for me, what I would ideally now I'm um, divorced, so my kids like the household is it's a different, very unique, different structure. So I don't have a hundred percent control on what my children are exposed to and what their sort of lifestyle is is being cultivated. Now, some people would love to have their children not be on any electronics. That's going to alienate them in their traditional school system because mm-hmm. everyone's going to be talking about whatever. They're going to feel outside because they're Without not part of their cool kid, you know, circles. They don't have the, you know, they don't know the latest YouTuber or whatever. So, it really depends as a parent, I think, what you're wanting to dare I say impose or how you're wanting to raise. Well, your no, children. without it.
1: I mean like who you else are, is going to do it? You, you are I mean? right. going to get some input and it's going to be the person that's keeping a roof over their head and that, Of course, half of them.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure there is some research out there that suggests, okay, minimizing to maybe it's an hour of screen time after some people don't like to have their children on any electronics during the week and then they'll give them a few hours on the weekend. So really, for me, um, I would want children to ensure that they have other fundamentals in place first. Before we even, like the social media and all of that stuff doesn't, it's not even about restricting it. It's about, are my children being taught emotional intelligence? Do they know how to meditate? Do they know how to Mm self-regulate? Do they know how to control their emotions if they're having, like those things I would want to have time and structure for my children. Um, And then whatever, as long as they have those things, I'd be okay with them having Right. That time, because that's, I need that time. That's too. very
1: good that you, you, you highlighted that point, because like whatever we are teaching our kids or we tell people to teach our kids is exactly what you need to do when you're a grown up and you're wondering why your life is yeah. the exact same or why you are having to rely on the same people you're relying on and, you know, decades previous. It's the same exact thing, and I, I don't want this message to ever get lost in translation. If you're teaching it to your kids, you need to be doing it yourself, and it, 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 yeah. you'll feel guilty if you're not, like or like a, a slight. And you know they'll hold I
0: mean? you accountable as a parent. Oh yeah, the kids will hold you accountable. Why aren't you doing it? Oh God, you're right.
1: That's gonna be tough. I'm not looking forward to that because I am. Oh,
0: they call you out I'm on the worst. your. They call the you worst. out. They call you out. The good thing for me because my whole mission and purpose here on this planet is to lead by example and to figure it out on my own so then I can help people. I don't ever get caught in that situation generally, although sometimes my kids will catch me on not what I'm, they'll catch me on like, if I kind of contradict myself in what I'm telling them not necessarily by my action. It, it, got gotcha, you. Gotcha, my son gotcha. is very, very smart. He's also no, very manipulative. So yeah, <laughs> he's no. a good kid. <laughs>
1: Those are typically the ones you got to watch out for.
0: Totally. Oh, for my daughter is like insane. Like in a good way. She's brilliant and um, beautiful and so just like sneaky. She's one to, she could rule oh, the world. Oh, for sure. For, mm-hmm. And
1: so it's interesting that you say that because a lot of the students that I taught in my four years, more master manipulators. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I think it, it's a couple of things. Um, one, when you're growing up, and I'm sure you've discussed this, the brain size and the way it's growing and until you've reached full maturity, certain things behind your reaction time and your um you know, willingness to analyze a situation, think about your thinking a little bit, mm-hmm. you don't have that as much. Um, especially if you are like you have that trait of manipulating, because then you're like always on the hunt mm-hmm. for that. Like, oh, I'm trying. I got to stay one step ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, be careful. I, I mean, I dealt with a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, to go into George's sort of introduction, that took us a little bit to get to. <laughs> he has. Um, You have a degree in special education, and you were a teacher for four years, and so he dealt with children that had emotional disturbance. So this is something that he knows very, very intimately. So with the children that had emotional disturbances, tell me a little bit about what you sort of observed with them in terms of what, in your opinion, created a lot of the emotional disturbance. So how much of it was hereditary how much like nature versus nurture what were yeah. some of the challenges that they had and if you know of what their trajectory or their expectation for being functioning contributing members of society as adults absolutely
1: so I, I this was my favorite um area so there's 13 different disabilities uh, categories um as of four years ago we could have added a couple more but um Emotional disturbance students were the the normal ones, right? They had no visual disabilities. Um, many of them ha- are in normal classes for a majority of the day, but they'll always come back to a classroom like mine for a specialized instruction on emotional disturbance, right, or just controlling who you are. And one of the things that you can um, – See, And a lot of these kids, man, I was just having like flashbacks to the classroom. Yeah. Was, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's been a, it's been a sec, Yeah. <laughs> you start talking about it and I start thinking about the kids. But uh, a lot of them already came from really rough upbringings. So the odds were never in their favor to begin with. A lot of students labeled with emotional disturbance are on what people call uh, a, pres- a preschool to prison pipeline. So a majority, I, I think the numbers were hovering around like 65% of all people that were labeled as having emotional disturbance eventually spent some time in prison. Uh, and this was like a 25-year study or something like that. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, it was really long, yeah. Wow. Um But it's, it, it goes to show you that a, a couple of things. There is... No data that proves that keeping all of these students in the same location each and every year is actually benefiting them, right? The goal is always to be inclusive. However, a lot of the systems in place in schools keep those kids in your classroom all day because those are the problem kids. Those are the kids that go bananas when a teacher is looking at them the wrong type of way. And we're already dealing with high class size numbers as it is Mm -hmm. so for a teacher to then get you know what people would consider an a-hole tossed in their Mm -hmm. class they're just like no let's keep them in your room and so you you never really get that inclusion that these kids so desperately need right those positive inputs Uh, what does a student who turns their homework in on time look like you know is he stressed out because every morning that i come in and i don't have my stuff ready i have this overwhelming anxiety because not only have I let the teacher down, but I've let myself down, and you see that all the time. Not in my classroom. I didn't believe in homework. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. I honestly, I out of all the the three years, I maybe graded twenty five papers. Oh wow! I'm like I, I was solely effort based because I know that if you are showing up for yourself every day, that's an A plus. That that was like my grade. I I didn't tell oh, them that.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: But. Yeah. So you have a lot of kids that they never get included. They're on this uh, preschool to prison pipeline. They keep being told that there's something wrong with them. And then the older that they get, right, they start to realize, oh, I'm not in the normal classes. Like when my friends and my classroom was dope, right? Like I had a turtle tank, LED lights, like bean bags, like it was the place to be. And everyone would come by and be like, "Oh, bro, you're in you're in his class. What does he teach?" And they'd be like, uh, "Yeah, he, he's like my math." Te-. You know, they had to like cover for themselves because mm-hmm. there's a there's a good deal of embarrassment. And with that being the case, right, and all these kids being like really counted out, it was my mission at that time to make them feel included, get involved in the school as much mm-hmm. as possible, and really build a, a self image that they were proud of. And Trust me, I didn't figure it out to like the tail end. Um, And I feel like if I would still be teaching today, like I'd have a really good groove going. Mm -hmm. But it takes a long time as a teacher uh, to figure it out because there's nothing there's nothing that was taught to me other than classroom management, basic classroom management that focused on students emotions and the way to regulate this new world of, uh, you know mental health being such a, a big place. And there's
0: so much more. Like there are so many children that would have otherwise not be labeled emotionally with emotional disturbances or some sort of high needs now than ever mm-hmm. post-pandemic that I'm seeing from my children. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Like the adapt- adaptiveness or the, the adaption, the adaptation, Adap- thank you. The adaptation that the schools have to Put together and create is insane right now. And so, what I wanted to ask you is from your experiences, what do you feel would be a solution for that? Since you're saying basically that these children with emotional disturbances are in a pipeline to prison, as they get older, it's worse because they're seeing that they're different, they're being treated differently. And that only makes them feel more like shit. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm special in not a good way, you know, like, okay, so what does that mean for me? And then it creates all this, you know, when you don't have good self-esteem, when you're not being, you're not normal, then you're going to just, okay, well, then I'm, I'm labeled something. So I'm just going to go down this route. So, um, kind of a part of my question as, is a solution that you would see there are some school systems that are taking children from other demographics, other you know lower income, maybe more yeah, special like, and, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: definitely I yeah, know and they're
0: and they're, they're trans um transporting them to tra- yeah, transporting into other zones, districts to sort of equalize, mm-hmm. um, give them a different experience. Do you feel like that's a helpful thing? Because I know there's a lot of parents that don't like that. It's very controversial. Um, and if that's yeah. whatever your thoughts are on that, I also want to get what maybe your alternate solutions could be.
1: For sure. Yeah, I, the first solution, uh, at least here in Clark County, um, the, the county that I taught in is it's just too big. Like um, and this, I would imagine, plays a, a huge part for a lot of counties around the country. Is that there is, I would say, uh, almost half a million students in Las Vegas, right? And to be able to get things passed as far as like um, new discipline regulations or some similar to what you're saying, maybe creating more initiatives of getting kids in the inner city spread out or at least presenting the option that would be my answer to that is like if the option is available to get your kid from the the middle of the city towards the outside of the city for a better education, you should have that option. I don't think there's any issue with that. Um, One of my big solutions, like if I ever when I uh, can fund my own school, uh, there's going to be a. A huge uh, amount of time spent on personal development. like, And I understand when I was teaching. Yes,
0: when you're ready, I'm with you on that. And we will I'm, find investment money because I'm. this is a, such a hot topic for me is emotional intelligence. Children need this mm-hmm. at the very beginning.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I can only imagine. I was dealing with high schoolers. I was like, if I had an elementary school bunch. What can I really instill? And I and and it would stick a lot better, obviously. When you're growing up, those first seven years are just like a, you know, everything is being downloaded. And then from that point on, you're using what was downloaded early on to make decisions somewhat. Um, but the big thing for me in personal development is I was only teaching nine kids at a school of 3,500. 3, I was teaching nine kids and I would be helping like, as other kids would uh you know come throughout the hallways if I saw that they were struggling, stuff like that uh, I was a coach, so then i I had like a somewhat extended range there but I can't tell you how sick it made me that every administrator that would come to some of the lessons I would teach would tell me, oh man I'm even more relaxed, you know this is my boss, so I knew I got a good you know evaluation but I at that point in time I was so young, Leslie, I was afraid to really push the initiative forward and be like i need to do this for everybody like this the way that i'm going about teaching that even just structuring like this 35 minute lesson um we would do uh a lot of guided meditations Mm -hmm. um progressive muscle relaxation was probably my favorite yeah uh, for them because that's just like in case you don't know what that is it's like squeezing different parts of your body putting focus on it and then releasing and that if you're coming off of like recess or a fight, like if you had like a scuffle in the class, excellent um, time to use that strategy. But what I was getting back to is if I had the money to fund a school that can just focus on this, maybe it's not like a, a school that'll teach you all the academic side that you need. But it's it's something to be said if you can have your kids be learning emotional intelligence at some point in time in the week at a place that's specializing and giving you multiple interventions. Cause that's all it is. I mean like you, you see the books uh, at Barnes and Noble, like hundred strategies on how to you know yep. lose my anxiety yep. and all those strategies, all that we would be doing at that place is doing it, practicing it in a calm environment. People are afraid to practice. They think it's, Oh, I know that that's simple. Yeah. I don't need to practice that you're never going to do it, you know. Right.
0: What well, from my belief and my experience is our our education like what children actually learn can be taught in a much shorter period of time. That mm-hmm. so much of the school day is being utilized on managing the children and in between classes, transitions, transitions and all that sort of thing. I know um someone who homeschools their children. And they literally can get all of their school day done in a matter of a couple of hours, depending on the time, um, the grade level that they're in. Mm-hmm. It would be so wonderful if we could incorporate, you know, this emotional intelligence into the school system. It doesn't even have to be a separate like I know you're saying is a separate school. Like school is done at two thirty in the afternoon which doesn't make sense because the powers that be have made our workdays nine to five mm-hmm. so there's hours after school that you know we could if we wanted to we don't want our children to be in school all day long but there is it always didn't it always made me question okay the the government dictates like our nine to five our holiday schedules all the things as well as the school systems and there's like this discrepancy there's so much time that can be utilized to mm-hmm. actually teach the children to be human beings, not just academically driven. Yeah. I mean, we could see that in a rotation of teachers. Like, because it's a burnout. Doubt. Like, why can't we have a morning session, an afternoon session, and we have academics day, emotional intelligence, yoga, yeah. spirituality, blah, blah, blah in the afternoon, and have like a nine to five Children and adult day. I'm not into having the children locked into their schools like that long. I understand. But at the same time, where are they going to learn it? Because if the parents are at school or if the parents are at work, who's going to be taking care of the kids? It's a nanny or maybe a mom who's yeah. who's rearing the younger children. Great. But. Then how are we supporting
1: well, yeah.
0: that? You know what I mean. It's
1: it's the the greatest difference between an American education and a lot of foreign countries is because it's a it's a mass utilization of time, and not saying that we're um, making excuses uh, for our, our, our kids because like in uh, education's a luxury, and I think sometimes if we're if we're looking at school like like how adults look at work then we lose the fact that it's actually like amazing. And Mm -hmm. we always look back and realize that that's the only time in our lives where we were mingling with hundreds of people daily because we had to. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we can kind of shift that perspective. Right. If I did have the uh, funds to start my own school, you have to look at it more from a community base. Mm -hmm. If you want to start seeing the real the the you know your environment around you changing at a mass scale um you know there used to be a lot more community events at school now schools everyone's afraid they're going to get shot you know right so where where's that new central hub because if we don't establish a place of safety and you know the ability to find resources a lot of uh things that have been cut as far as after school type programs are a lot of Mm -hmm. the english uh second language english is a second language type classes for a whole bunch of foreigners coming in and las vegas being a transient city Mm -hmm. they don't have that anymore and it's it's this whole uh effect that stems from the way that we feel about schools so go ahead
0: no i I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, so everything is kind of being pushed then into the families. Is that what I'm mm-hmm. hearing? The the programs are being cut. I mean,
1: everything the funding's yes. not
0: there. Then it's not there, and we have to take that on ourselves
1: without a doubt. And the mm-hmm. parents should also be getting direct feedback from the teacher. Uh, that was one of the biggest things that I realized early on as a teacher. I'm like, a lot of teachers have issues. Because they don't they're not in great communication with the parents. Now, mind you, I had nine kids. So my communication was phenomenal. Like everything that they needed to know, they knew we were ahead of schedule. We knew what the plan was. We knew if they had good bad days, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it's it's being lost right now. And that's where, as a parent, you really, as as your kid is going throughout school, it cannot be as simple as, you know, how was your day? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's that detailed breakdown and rundown of, well, how did this day make you feel? Mm-hmm. Right. What happened to make you feel that way? Cool. You like that? Well, let's just keep that on repeat. Oh, that didn't happen? That, okay, so let's uh, do this right now. So whenever you're feeling that way, we can take 10 minutes in the quiet. We can do our box breathing, and then we know we feel better. So if that ever happens again, we could do that. That's where parents are, I feel, missing the mark. One, because they don't know the strategies themselves, and two, because the kids, it, it's tough to get a kid to buy in sitting alone with his thoughts. It really is.
0: Now, tell me about it. <laughs> I try to get the, to get my own kids to do that. It's very difficult, mm-hmm. especially one that has some emotional dysregulation where they're very hot under their collar and they're like, ah, and they just want to explode. Mm-hmm. Seeing that taking time alone with your thoughts is not a punishment. And a lot of parents get that wrong. And I'm so glad that you said that because this is, again, part of that bridging the gap is... We need the parents to be educated to be able to teach the children. Should we not be able to, since there's funding cuts with the schools and we can't have this perfectly aligned, you know, parents go to work and children go in school and learn all the wonderful things that they're supposed to learn, that's not happening. It's, again, more responsibility on parents, Mm They need to learn, like think think about this when you become a parent, okay, I'll give you a little taste yes. into the future, okay, give so it to me. now, the great thing is you don't necessarily have a nine to five or maybe you do you go you know you go to work nine to five, your kid technically is off school at two you're Baby mama, wife, whatever, will either be at home to pick them up and take care of them or they'll have to do after-school programs, which God knows what those are, coloring, recess, whatever, mm-hmm. if they're in a good school to have other things. You get home. It's five fifteen, five thirty. The kids have to be in bed between 8 and 9.30, depending on their age. You have a very short window of time where you get to parent like a champ. Mm. You're exhausted from your day. You've got your own BS that you're handling. You need to exercise. You need to eat. You need to decompress. And then it's nighttime routine and time to like
1: relax. Yeah.
0: So doesn't offer much opportunity to like be with the kids. I mean, a few hours is enough, but there's a lot you have to pack in there to teach your children. Right. So... Like for me, with my kids, i after my work days, and I usually try to make my work days shorter, um find other avenues to generate money and i'm you know, I'm educated so I can I'm in a little bit of a different situation. but taking my kids and exercising with them, taking to the gym
1: yeah together with,
0: yeah together or doing activities together where we're outside where we can be talking where it's net time no extra time we're exercising we're talking emotional intelligence we're reviewing our day we're learning skills mm-hmm. all at the same time and it's exhausting but you know we get the job done but like how how does that sit with you Like that structure, like as a, as a parent, you having to take on learning how to be those things for yourself Mm -hmm. and then having the time to teach your children, like the, the gap is with getting the parents educated, having the time, the resources to be better parents that can be available for their kids. And
1: I I mean, I would just say that. If the parents really put their best foot forward on showing their kids everything, one right, your your kids own travel agent everywhere. Um, so you have to put your best foot forward and show them life. And if you aren't doing that, that's the the biggest. Letdown you can ever have for your like if your kid sees you not pushing forward and trying like I I try to explain this to my mom sometimes because although I really connect with my father my mom waking up at four a.m. having everything ready for us in the morning you know putting in a twelve hours days worth of work coming home she would cook dinner she would you know we'd have dinner as a family and then it would just be on repeat and then. You, you don't realize it till, like, I'm at that stage now where you're just like, how the fuck was that even possible?
0: It's magic. But. <laughs> Your but mom was magic.
1: <laughs> I know it's possible. Yeah. And that's the thing where it's like, you know, I may never be that father that is like gives their kid everything or, you know, I obviously people are going to miss the mark sometimes. But I'm sure. going to be certain of one thing. I'm never going to miss the mark for myself. And if I miss the mark for myself, that'll be the only time as a father that I'm like, I hope he doesn't keep that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I hope he doesn't remember, resonate with those losses or those failures.
0: Yeah. And that's actually a beautiful transition because we had talked a little bit before when I wanted you to come on my podcast about our own evolution your own evolution and creation and manifestation and how we be better in the world and be successful so this is a really great opportunity to kind of shift into your experiences where you're at in your own journey and what you're experiencing and what you're sort of dabbling in and these realizations you've had about you evolving and getting to the next level in your um, success what that means authentically for you
1: without a doubt like i <clears throat> i come from an athletic background so it's always been you put in the work there's results and there's glory right from the game right and you get to experience like what you could consider a lifetime in the span of a season of sports right? Because you're just, you're starting off the season. You're just building everything up. You're getting the the foundation of your life set. Then the season starts to happen. Lose a couple of times, win a couple of times, highs, lows, highs, lows, but at the end of the day, and then it's over. And that's the exact same way that life goes. So for me, I am probably at the stage right now where I've started off like six and oh, like I really don't feel like I've lost at all. And I, I'm proud to say that because there's been a lot of people in my life that have given me great advice and I followed it and I stand by all the decisions I made. One of the, the biggest decisions that I made that um, really revolutionized who I am today was uh, eighth grade basketball. Um, I was a chubby white kid. Austin could attest to it. I, I was just out of shape. I, um, I was very athletic, but I had never like played for a team before I was getting my ass kicked every day. I was pretty depressed. I I didn't realize it at the time. Like, but I was just like, I would go to school. The sun would be out. I would leave there. You know, it'd be nighttime 6 PM after basketball practice. And we used to run like we were the most in shape team ever. So much running it was my evolution from being a boy to a man when I literally, I, I told her, I was like, I'm going to quit. I was making this decision on my own. Then she called my dad. We have this whole conversation in front of the school. I'm bawling my eyes out. Um, but she, she kept it so 100 with me that day, my basketball teacher. She said, you know, if you do this right now and you come back tomorrow, I'm going to look at you different. And I was like, woof, right? It was like the first realization that like, you know, one that I really meant something to her and, you know, I, I was, I had a good, um, you know, spot in her heart, but if I was willing to quit on myself, she was going to quit on me. So after that point, it was just like a never ending cycle of, when it's summer football, I'm going to practice at 5 a.m. At a, at a workout center, and then I'm also going to our four-hour midday practices, um, and that it led to the life that I had after that, right? So then I um, played football at UNLV. I was a preferred walk-on, so I had to bust my butt to get a spot. I tore my ACL. I decided at that point I'm going to enjoy college, quit the football team, my own decision, Uh, and then I found a a program in which I can get my degree in three years, which is crazy. Like it's always been like, I, I want to find ways to better like my parents and stuff and everything. They've been pretty successful. So graduating three years hadn't been done. So I was like, sweet, this is my chance. (laughs) Um, and so I had to take 120 credits In six months with student teaching, this would give me my teaching license. This would give me my bachelor's. So I did it. I, I, it was the most intense academic and I'm not that academic. So it sucked, um, time of my life. I mean, we had no holidays off, yada, yada, yada. I have never felt more accomplished in my life than on my first day of teaching where it was like, wow. I put in all the work it's time. And at that point in time, I didn't realize how great my position was. Uh, you don't ever get talked to by administration when you're working with emotional disturbance kids. They're like, they got it tough enough as it is. I don't need to be the boss. That's like giving it to them on the other end. So all that has kind of led to me reconnecting with Travis. Um, when I was a teacher, I also was starting my own podcast and, uh, it was during COVID. I was like, I'm going to do it. This is what I've wanted to do my whole life was speak uh, in front of people or speak on camera. I started a podcast up with Austin. It was a movie podcast. We did it up until our friend passed away. Uh, we had our year anniversary, though, so I think I think he was waiting for the year anniversary before he, like, you know, kicked the bucket. Um, oh, God, that's that was, so dark. I know. He would have loved <laughs> Congratulations, it, Congratulations. He would have loved it. He was like, I would have made it to two asshole. Um, but anyways, he, uh, after d- getting that whole podcast thing up and running, I met Travis, uh, or reconnected with him. We went to high school together. And then after I met Travis, I started internshipping here. And I've always, I you know, I had a... Thirty-six thousand dollars a year, cushy little teaching job, you know, to you know fall back on. So I was like, I can internship for free. I'll work hard for you. No worry, right? Because just like how kids have nothing to do after two thirty, so do the teachers. So if teachers hmm. ever complain about the time that they don't have, they have too much time. I will. <laughs> oh, he I'm just sho- outed you. The teachers. I had way too much time on my hands. I needed something to do. I literally internships here worked my ass off per usual. And I think that's the common thing, right? Um, in order to, to amount to as many wins as I have had, or I'm going to have in the future, there's, you know, I said six and oh, but it's really like every second of the day I'm choosing to be a winner. I'm here at sticky Paws, Usually one of the first people here and usually one of the last people to leave. I Love that feeling though of not leaving any stone unturned and i think when i watched your instagram poster or or i may have posted something about like the law of resonance right Mm -hmm. i was the first time i ever heard about it but it makes perfect sense the vibrational energy that i put out and the world is what i get in return it's what i get out of austin you know who has a family for him to come over here and bust his ass for us every day And motivates John to do what he's doing for us. I know it's got Travis's back. It makes our host at the studio feel comfortable. Because they understand that there's people behind them pushing hard. Um, And then after figuring out about the Law of Resonance, it it just kind of helps solidify. What I'm doing is correct. I can stop manifesting as much. Um, I used to do that a lot. Like manifestation to the max, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of pointless. You know, it's like dreaming without action.
0: Yes. So it's very interesting because manifestation I feel is seen differently by men and women. I've talked with John Orlando on the show too about manifestation and he was saying manifestation is great, but you need to take action to be able to put something behind it. Women, particularly, I shouldn't even say men and women, but I just, I'm seeing this as a very big difference just under mm-hmm. the podcast and the people that I've worked with. Men have this tendency to be able to be very tactile, very action-driven. Women, we are very emotional. We're very um uh, We're we're about the experience and about the feeling and that sort of thing. And so we tend to get caught up in the imaging and the anticipation and the planning of it, and we Mm -hmm. don't take the action. Really, manifestation is neither of those alone. It's not just, I'm going to bear down and do it, and it's not, I'm just going to think my way there. Manifestation truly in its definition, at least in how I teach it, it has to be in its it's whole, it's comprehensive understanding, and that's the image with the or the intent, the mental construct, and the clarity of what you want mm-hmm. matched with the emotional part to it, the feeling, the I'm doing it. This is what I'm I'm convicted. Mm-hmm. There's that energetic. I'm just I claim this. I like
1: that. I like you added emotion to that. Okay, yeah, keep going. And
0: then. You have to, nothing happens without the action. And so I uh, was talking with a friend of mine about this. When, when people think about manifesting, they like, well, I want it in my head and I think about it every night and blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't happen. Well, again, they may not have the action part, but even taking the action isn't enough if you don't have the feeling behind it, the feeling is where a lot of people miss because that is where the resonance is, that is without you knowing it, George, how you're actually manifesting. So it's not even the thinking, it's not even the action. It is when you are it, when you are emitting the energy, the feeling, the emotion of it, you are attracting that on all levels. And Mm -hmm. people may not believe the law of attraction or that energy. We are energy beings. It is what it is. Science has validated it. We have gazillion years of, (laughs) that's an exaggeration. You know, there's lots and lots of of research and um, not just people who are spiritualists, but we're mainstream gurus, mainstream research that is, validating this concept and just our own experiences. When you get into the feeling of something and you match that with a clear image and you take action from that space, it's powerful. Whatever you want to call it, wherever you think that it comes from, whether you're an atheist or a spiritualist or, or a universal believer, it doesn't matter. The concept is powerful and it works. So fill in the blank, how you believe that that actually happens, but it's that, I feel it's that triad Mm. um, that really is what makes us, you know, create what I would love for people to see. And this is where I take my um, clients to the next level is creating, taking that ability to manifest and manifest from a place of authenticity, Hmm. So taking the spirituality, taking your personal realm, taking everything and really coming into who are you here to be. So you can manifest whatever you want. If you want to be, you know, a billionaire, you can do that. But is that right for you? Is that honoring what you are really meant to? Because the thing is, there's lots of billionaires. Lots of people have been very successful. Their lives have been cut short because it wasn't really authentic for them. If they were living authentically, they would have been incredibly happy, blissful, and their bodies wouldn't have been run down. They would have Correct. honored themselves and they would they would be able to live their fullest potential. So, you know, manifestation and and all of that is wonderful. But the warning with us being aware of our power and potential is how are we wielding that power? We could create something that's totally... Successful by American standards, but completely inauthentic. And what service is that doing us, mm-hmm. you know, for ourselves? So I love being able to sort of talk about this manifestation ability, but then flipping it and saying, how do we do that so that we can all live authentically us? And really to bring it back to this conversation, even about children and parenting and that whole thing, we all need to find out what is an authentic life for each and every one of us. It may not be even participating in the structured academic school. It might be homeschool. It might be whatever it is. There's so many different ways Mm -hmm. we can live our life. And the solutions really to these problems are as limitless as you know what
1: we what we yeah yeah I'm I'm glad you uh you mentioned the emotional side of it um I'm a big drug guy like I'm not ashamed to say I've taken uh, like a lot of drugs so I I have what I would consider right uh, and what many would consider those insane levels of like dopamine rushes mm-hmm. um
0: which really are beautiful really <laughs> we love cr- dopamine yes rushes.
1: yes right but the, the thing that has been revolutionary for me in creating, like, a true feeling of happiness inside, Wim Hof breathing, uh, I did it with my students a lot. I was never skeptical. I think after the first video, I was so hooked. Um, and I've done, I'm proud to say my longest one I've ever done was 45 minutes. It was like a YouTube video. Wow. Holy shit. Melt into the floor. Insane dopamine rush. Insane amounts of joy for life and the beings around me. It was phenomenal. I feel that same exact feeling when I put in a full day's worth of work. So. I can kind of see now, right? Like, cause I, I wouldn't manifest anything less for me. And I, obviously there can be things in the day that hinder my emotional capabilities. Like for example, there's been some things here happen at the studio that were my fault that, you know, I'm a person that I'm, I'm my own worst critic. So whenever something bad happens to me, I'm, I get into that negative mindset and it's really tough to shift into that high dopamine happiness especially with how fast life's moving um but if you if i was to have made a concerted effort to slow my life down and really get myself back on track there i probably could have manifested more that day um but yeah no i I like that you added that that's a new piece for me
0: yeah and and i think that you do that naturally You had said something earlier on when you were saying you got advice and you listened to that. As simple as that might have sound to listeners, that jumped off for me because to be able to reach out to someone, share your concern, get advice, listen to it and realize that, hey, this is potentially very good advice and then take it That is very advanced. Hmm. I mean, because people would not even do that where they would think you have to be very humble. You have to be very interested in really succeeding to do any of that. Just reach out for help and even put yourself in a position where... You might feel inferior, people have raging egos. they really don't like feeling like they need help or that they don't have the answers, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, people want luxury and they want cars and they want all this like that's all for show. It takes a lot of humility and a lot of ability to say, "I'm learning, I don't know, I want to do things the right way, so I'm going to ask and so you do all of that naturally. it sounds like so you're like your your average of continually winning is something that you either had naturally and or you learned early. And I feel, too, that because you have had such ease with being able to do that, there's a certain amount of you being or resonating at a success vibration naturally is what allowed you to have so much success. Because really, again, for you to be able to do all of those things, you had to literally
1: embody embody
0: being confident and okay with being a a learner and receiving advice
1: and so i i came from a coaching background like my father was a head coach Mm uh for football for my entire upbringing my mom was a vice president at citibank uh so high uh, hr so she was dealing with a lot of like human issues like i got to see more human interaction things like whether it was disputes happiness the way people act what do coaches do after they win a, a a big trophy game well they go to the titty bar how does dad react after or how does mom react after dad comes back from the titty bar okay i'm six years old like you know i'm seeing all these dynamics oh this person told my dad to go fuck himself and then he kicked him off the team okay so it's it's a lot of analyzing and and seeing so many reps of human interaction that has allowed me to feel like pretty confident in most situations and scenarios. I will say the one thing that I feel could be a solution to this wave of uh, this generation that we have coming up maybe it's military or maybe it's two years of teaching, but you gotta pick one of the two when you come out of high school. Um, military teaches you that discipline. I never went to the military. But I know that coming out of the military, most people are genuinely more um, joyful, or and that maybe not joyful in the sense of, you know, they could be really like they could have seen some shit, so like that, and <laughs> that's not joyful. Right. But joyful in the sense that they were able to complete a pretty monumental task of basic training and protecting an entire country. Teaching gives you the same feeling, and you being able to control a room and have the confidence in yourself to preach a message and to see people grow. Even throw coaching in there. You know, if we're going to say you have to pick one of those coming out of high school to give you ample amounts of reps to deal with multiple different backgrounds and upbringings of people um, that could help, you know, yield people being more confident in themselves.
0: That's a great suggestion i think i mean it would touch on not just the like you're saying the the human interaction or or just those those really human skills to be able to deal with people but to deepen that it's going to help give the tools that people need to connect with themselves because to be able to interact effectively with someone else you really need to know thyself and or at least know how to manage your own emotion to be able to handle the situation properly, even if it's just band-aiding it and just controlling your feeling to be able to interact is, is enough. Um, you don't necessarily have to go on a deep dive into unraveling your inner shit, but at least, you know, I think that's, that's a really great solution. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that has, it stuck with me because teaching puts you in that spot, man. Like, it, it was One of the things you had mentioned, I think before we leave, I need to ask you the whole power dynamic, because um, I've read not read, but I've watched YouTube videos on the 48 laws of power. I find it so interesting, like I really, really um, want to learn not only like the ways that, in which I can garner um, more out of people, but the ways that people could be like trying to, you know overpower me per se Uh, are you familiar with the 48 laws of power no
0: but i'm going to find out
1: for sure i I mean i watched on it's a it's a book um i've uh, robert green possibly and yeah pretty much just goes through these 48 laws of how you know people are able to get power over other people or in my I would use this for my students in the sense that they already were pretty manipulative, but can they learn how to manipulate themselves? I really think his laws that he writes can be reframed into taking control over your own life, although it wasn't intended for it to be read that way. I found that it was, you know, relatively similar. Uh, and being able to regulate your own emotions.
0: So what was one that you found the most applicable to your own regulation? I
1: knew you were going to put me on the spot like this.
0: Ha ha. Can I, do, can I Threw do it back to you? I'm going to
1: do a quick goog on on a law of power and I'll go into it. Okay.
0: He's going to go into
1: 48 it. 48 laws of power. The first couple. of It them.
0: reminds me. This is reminding me a little bit of the book. How. What is it called? How to. When friends, oh, influence, okay. here's, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. It. So
1: here's the first one. Never outshine the master. That's rule one. So that okay. that literally explains I wasn't trying to outshine the master that was giving me information, and I was willing to input their information and give it a shot to see if it was worthy of being used. A lot of times, like especially for my students, they would think – That because they can act like an asshole, they can get out of any situation. Well, as they're trying to outshine thy master, they end up back in my classroom somehow. You know what I mean? Because Mm. yeah, so it it works two ways. They were trying to outshine the master to get what they wanted. So that's where it kind of like is a chess game with these kids. Are they doing that just to come back with me? Do I need to tell the teacher, hey, he's going to play this game with you. He's Mm going to try to outpower you. But you got to be like, know what your retort is. Things like that. I, I There's so many.
0: Wow. That's a 47
1: really... more to be exact.
0: <laughs> that's really interesting, actually, the how you can see the other side or turn it in on yourself. Wow. That's really good. Well, I'm going to have to take a look yes. at those ones.
1: Was it Robert Green?
0: Yeah. Were you right?
1: Yes, wow, George is on the money. money Let's go, money. baby.
0: <laughs> well, this is awesome. Yes, we've covered it was. so much today. Definitely. Um, I did want to, we did talk about maybe connecting a little bit on the male female stuff that's happening in the world. We have Austin, do we have a little bit of time? Where are we at? We have five minutes. Okay, we can maybe touch on this. We talked a little bit about this the women empowerment and this movement towards women wanting to have more for themselves. And this has caused a lot of challenges. Um, no, I don't even want to call it challenges. It's disruptive. It's a, w- w- these empowered women are disruptive innovations. Okay. okay. <laughs> Let's call this disruptive innovation. I
1: like that. <laughs> That's
0: good. Just like technology so, can be disruptive right? innovations. We're disruptive innovations uh, pushing our way through to a new evol- evolutionary uh sort of trajectory for humans. But it's caused a lot of like pushback and there's a lot of, you know, men that don't know how to deal. There's like the alpha guys and the beta guys. They don't know what they yeah. don't know what to do with us. And. It's, you know, we've talked a little bit here and there. There's other people have podcasts that have their very rigid perspectives and I don't participate in the whole high school beef, high school beef stuff about it, because that's not productive. That's not making our way True. through, It's not, you know, but that's I am all about the solutions. Like just because we want to have more for ourselves as women, it doesn't mean that we're closed minded to how we go about doing that and how we interact with the men that we want in our lives and um like we're we're we do need each other men and women we do need each other and want each other it's part of our evolution it's you know Mm -hmm. we're not taking away from that so you're engaged married
1: engaged engaged congratulations trust me you're gonna like the dynamic here
0: enlighten me so you're very progressive you seem very like You know, you're connected with yourself. You're a manifester. You you are a helper. You're a teacher. I'm very interested to hear your perspectives and sort of your dynamic Mm -hmm. as much as you're willing to share about your relationship.
1: For sure. Yeah. So we. um,
0: You're also super young compared to me. So I want to get your generation's perspective.
1: (laughs) So I'm uh, following after my parents. I had a high school sweetheart. We met my freshman year of high school. Um, and we had the typical high school relationship. Uh, I was unfaithful numerous times. We would be on and off, on and off in college. We really solidified it. Like she went to UNLV, I went to UNLV. We lived in the dorms together, our last year of school. Um, so we, we got a taste of like, is this really going to work out? You know what I mean? Uh, and it was a nice setup. Like we had our own dorm to ourselves, a little balcony. It was amazing. So then I realized, yeah, no, I think, like, she's the one. And we – I think it was uh, during COVID. Like, COVID happened, and that summer I uh, proposed to her, and we got engaged. Now, we were not at all prepared to to do this. Um, I think it took her by shock, and it definitely – didn't progress past like, okay, what are the wedding plans? What, how are we going to do this? Right. It was very much so like, I'm just glad I'm committed to you. Right. And with the last two years and the way they've played out and brought to go on year three, there's never been a, a pressure or like a hurry because there was a lot of difficult conversations had about who we both are as people and what we want. And it's like, wow, you know, I can, I almost like when I see these people get married so fast and knowing that we've been together for 10 years where we've been, you know, like engaged, we've seen each other as teenagers, whatever. And these people get, they meet each other in a year they're getting married, but like legitimately married, you know, like on paper, let's do this. Government needs to know it, um, blows my mind. Cause I know for without a doubt You need to see almost like a decade's worth of evolution in a human before you truly know, are they able to grow? Do they want more for themselves? And those are the things that at first, when we were engaged, we probably both weren't the best version of ourselves. Now that we've been engaged for three years and, you know, we're, you know, like she's a girl who likes girls. Type of situation. So like the that whole dichotomy of, you know, these mega alpha guys. Right. And it's like, dude, you got to understand the world's changing and not every woman wants to be married. And I think it's a race for a lot of these guys who are preaching like this alpha masculinity to try to find like a person that they can call their own Mm -hmm. per se. And I got to, I want a wife so I can provide for her and show, show them that, you know, I'm able to do this, but it's like, you really don't want that. I want like, at least for me, I mean, if there's kids at home, there's, there's a different dichotomy there, but you know, my girl's got to begin after hers. And I would say in the last three years, like she is, not only found who she is as a person but she's putting the pieces down every single day she's going to the gym she is jacked i mean austin was commenting on her biceps the other day low-key weird but uh we won't <laughs> talk about it she was like dude does she doing power slap i'm like not yet she might um but yeah like after you know going through that engagement and now going through the process that we're in now it's like I don't ever see us. I mean, like we may have a party one day. Yeah. Like, Hey, here was the ceremony, but it's not like this big push. Yeah. Of commitment.
0: I think that's great. I, I mean, that's so much actually aligned with how I feel too, which is great confirmation being that I'm a little bit older and I'm sort of one of the women sort of on the forefront of, feeling like I'm stepping up and I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. What I hear from you, and I'm sort of paraphrasing and extracting oh, the kind good. of main main pieces and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it really sounds like there's a lot of insecurity with these macho alpha men that feel like they need to have a woman to provide for. It's like they need a woman to define them and to provide for, mm-hmm. and I feel just knowing what I know about human psychology and confidence and a self esteem without that definition, who are they? And the thing with people who are sort of in that mindset, they don't have that capacity or a desire to dig deeper and say, Yeah, who am I without a woman, without someone to Mm. care for? That's scary because that means that you have to go inward and go, I'm enough without having someone to provide for and all of the things. And that means being vulnerable and emotional and connecting with a part of you that a lot of men traditionally are not comfortable or used to doing. Yeah, And so, again, you are... Not that I grace you or label you. my None of that means anything, but you're, you are evolved. Like as a man, you get it. You're so comfortable clearly in who you are. You're connected with yourself. You appreciate your woman. You encourage her and you're not threatened by her success. In fact, you're encouraging of oh it. You dude, have your crap. Her.
1: Cameron, you can sponsor me, baby girl. I'll fucking mop the floors. Listen, I'll flip the roles. I, but it is just because I'm so proud of who you've become. That's the thing, right? Because in order to get to that spot, there was a lot of hardship. Yeah. You know, a lot of hard work put into it.
0: Right. And because that does not threaten you, speaks so much to you being an example of, of an evolved male sort of role model Mm -hmm. for many of the men that are, you know, struggling or don't know how to navigate that. I really appreciate you sharing that perspective and being who you are and being such of such support to your woman or whatever you call it, your lady, because, you know, we really need to have support and women, we're very capable we're very, mm-hmm. very capable. So thank Absolutely. you so much. for Absolutely.
1: And I love you, mom. That goes out for you too. You <laughs> hard working lady.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> that is our episode for today. Um, George has a podcast. We didn't even get to it. Iron Junkies. You can uh, find it at...
1: Grid, gridiron gridiron junkies, iron junkies, everywhere. junkies
0: everywhere, on everywhere. all the platforms. So he is a football fanatic. Mm-hmm. So that's what that show is about. Yep. Thank you so much for all of your Thank wisdom. You. I appreciate Absolutely. you. This was fun. Yeah, awesome. All right, guys, until next time.